0: Welcome to These Lads on Mental, my name is Gary and I'm Neil and our podcast is a lighthearted approach to normalise mental health. Before we start today's show, please listen to our disclaimer. This show is just a group of opinions and is not to be treated as medical advice. If you are struggling with mental health, please speak to your physician or reach out to a service such as Lifeline. Thank you. These Lads on Mental recognises the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation as the custodians and traditional owners of Sydney. We pay respect to their ancestors and elders past and present. And value their continuing connection to lands, living culture, and an integral contribution to the bright and inclusive future of this beautiful city that we call home.
1: Today's episode is a little bit different from usual. Today we're celebrating World Mental Health Day on the tenth of October. But we're also doing a very specific episode for a company in Glasgow who have decided to do not only a mental health day, but a mental health week for their staff to produce resources, practical tips and things for their staff to improve their mental health. Neil and I have got the pleasure of being part of this. Hope you enjoy the episode. We had lots of fun with it. Let's get stuck in.
0: Shagsy, how are we? I it's happening. <laughs> I, have to, I have to check which region uh, this podcast was going out, because if you say shagger in the wrong culture, you can come across as a bit of a uh, dodgy, <laughs> dodgy bloke. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I think, the, as I said, I think most of the people was going to be
1: from... Now they're definitely from the UK, but I think there'll be a lot of Scottish people listening, so they'll definitely know
0: what Shagger is. Yeah, to be fair, I mean, Shagger, even I'm from Ireland, if anyone hasn't guessed already. A uh, Shagger, even in Ireland, is not used colloquially as you use it, like as an RI right, mate, RI right, Shagger. Like if I said Shagger in Ireland, you go, oh, he's actually like, a shag- I, I, yeah, he doesn't be Shaggy. Um, which, of course, was always used for me because I was like such a hot <laughs> day. Like, now look at me holding the crevice. <laughs> well, how are you uh, all? Hope you're having a good day. Sully was just telling me off camera that
1: a lot of in the corporate side of the world um, don't
0: really take mental health week. I don't know if that's the right thing to say, but they don't take it serious, maybe. Yeah, it's a bit piecemeal. Like there's the whole like mental health day and even some businesses, even like the top tier businesses, you know, the Googles of this world give all those mental health days. <clears throat> But I've heard a lot of those days that people take off, they end up going on the on the piss, you know, so it's like, what does that do to you, you know, um, so it's one thing to kind of give a day off, I say as a business, but it's another thing to actually put some effort into it. And that's why we were so impressed like even just to hear businesses are putting in this amount of effort and also giving you guys like the staff an opportunity to voice some of your concerns, you know, privately is amazing. Like even I, I'm a business owner myself, I don't do this at this level that I've seen you guys. So it's definitely given me something to think about. We do a survey, but it's not spe- specific around actual personal concerns or anything like that that people have. So it's a brilliant thing and it's uh, also, it's substantial in terms of like when we saw some of the questions coming in and some of the thoughts coming in, we were like, wow, this is amazing. This is really good stuff for us to sink our teeth in. And luckily, because we've got what well, we're on now, Gary, 30 plus episodes on the podcast. A lot of what you guys are asking, we've either heard of it directly through any of our experts or online and social. And for the most part, we, we think we have some kind of solution or we can at least point you in a direction that will hopefully help resolve some of those questions. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point, mate, regarding the people who put questions in
1: because it's probably one of the first pathways that we talk about. And if, Many of you probably haven't listened to an episode of our podcast before, but the, the main reason that Neil and I do this is for creating pathways. And I know one of the questions touched on this is there is a lack of support regarding mental health, whether it be in your own family or people you know eh, or through your business. And we recognise that as well. And yes, we can all say we know... Some sort of solutions, but a genuine pathway. And the example Neil always gives us when you let you break your arm is a very clear path in terms of you go to doctors, you get a stookie, you wait on for six to eight weeks, it gets taken off and then you let it heal. However, with the mental health side of things, we don't really have a genuine pathway. People don't really know where to jump on. Even if they are keen to get it fixed or to work on something or to try and improve how they're feeling, they don't know where to start. So this is. The reason that we're doing this podcast is to talk about it in a, in a normal way. And mm-hmm. again, credit to you, to you people who, who put a question in, because it's not easy that as a first step is just talking about it. And many of you, we've got some unbelievably good questions, great topics, and some of you are very open. So this is it's all about normal people, normal things that we all go through. And that's probably one thing before we go even further is every single thing that I read through all those questions, I can relate to in some way, apart from motherhood, I haven't quite, <laughs> <laughs> obviously can't relate Technology to Technology
0: hasn't advanced that far, yeah. <laughs> Unless no. you're a source nigger. But yeah, it, it, I, mean, it, I mean, we are trying to make it a joke of it. And that's really the thing that we try and do, as Gary was saying. I mean, in essence, it sounds mad to say this, but it's really not rocket science. That's a that's mad thing about mental health, right? It's really about breaking down the stigma, which we try and do through the podcast, but that can be done a multitude of ways. And even by... Your guys' company doing this—it's whether you know it or not. You actually, you're already breaking down those layers of stigma because, for one, it's getting you guys thinking about it. You're putting words down on paper. You're sending it through. We're discussing it. Like that's huge. Like that's absolutely huge. We need more of that across the board in every walk of life. And we've said as well mental health should be a thing that we can talk about just like we would anything else. It was like dietary, you know, 10 years ago you wouldn't like saying I'm lactose intolerant or I'm gluten free. People go, Oh, what a fucking wanker nowadays. It's just a thing. It's just, it is what it is. Everywhere has it. And hopefully mental health can get to that point as well. And just the, are you okay day? Which is like asking people, are they okay? Which is great. Um, But even just digging a little bit more. And that's the thing. Mental health is not just about you in your own scenario. And that's why it's important to tell people because if you tell your missus or your partner or your grandparents or your work colleagues, let's say you've got five or six people in your immediate group that know about your whatever your thing is depression or anxiety or anything, when you're in that state of mind, then they can actually spot the changes in your behavior Oh, neil's not coming out as much as he used to or he's snapping a bit more or he's not getting out of bed and then those people their their red flags go up and go i actually don't know if neil's all right at the moment and then you can have those open conversations and that little scenario alone is so much better for you and uh, your whole surrounding family or community than it is if you just sit there in silence. Because if you sit there in silence, no one's going to know, and then they might just come to presumptions that oh, he's just a bit of a, a tosser, you know, or things like that. When actually there's probably just something going on. So that's a, a really big thing. And then I'm not I'm not even sure what it's like in the. I know the UK is pretty good with the NHS, but speaking from lived experience, which is a, a term we hear a lot now, as Gary was saying, that pathway is just. Non-existent, right? And we're spending a lot of time mentally ourselves trying to figure out what does that look like. But I've gone through that, and that's one little bit of advice. If you leave this podcast without getting anything, is don't give up because I went in to get diagnosed years ago, and the doctor was like really pretty crap. Like you know, oh how are you feeling? Like really willy nilly. Then they gave me this archaic picture chart which was like how suicidal are you out of 10 and I was like <laughs> even if I was I, I shouldn't laugh at this but even if I was a 10 let's say would you put the 10 down no you wouldn't because you'd be like if I put a 10 down he's going to think I'm you know in in a danger area like is he going to call the cops that's what like I was thinking and then how do you even measure where you are really anyway you know what I mean and what you are today versus what so all this so like It's just nowhere near the level of what we need to do. But, and then even after you do that, over here in Australia, they actually have a 10 pack you can get from the government, which is a subsidized thing, which in theory sounds good and it is good, don't get me wrong. But anyone will know if you're struggling with trauma or depression, it takes more than 10 sessions to get through it. So it kind of gets you on the pathway, but then you still have to pay for it, you know? So like there are limiting factors to even getting better, financial, you know, all those things. So you know the answer to that like i know it was actually one of the questions if money wasn't an object which we can get to but um you know ideally that kind of level of service should be free doctors should have education across the boards to make people feel comfortable with doing it but i think a lot of the answer is really in you me gary all of us um to get ourselves not necessarily out of this but provide that bubble of support around those people um and hopefully one day like the authorities will, will pick up with it. But yeah, if you go through the system and you get a bad doctor, don't give up, it happens. I started psychology, had a terrible psychologist, which could put you off and go, oh, that's a load of, I'm not going back. But I swapped them out, got a new person, totally different experience, and it was amazing. So don't give up, it's like anything. You can go to a restaurant and have a shitty meal it doesn't mean you're not going to stop eating ever again is it you know what i mean or you can go to a gym and you might not like the gym or a soccer team and you might you know so don't give up um get getting help speaking to people doing all those things is the right thing to do and if you don't like who you've got move on yep Perfect, mate, spot on. Apart from, apart from seeing soccer, everything's <laughs> spot on. That was my Tony Robbins. Like, I just kind of, I blacked out there for a second. What? I just kind of went So <laughs> Old around. school, old, well, fairer than old school. black No, it's it's inspiring, isn't it? Like, like I, we, we... Oh, we, mate, call it, mate. Good on you. Eh? No, no, but I mean, for, the, for you guys, it, guys doing what we're doing here, like, it is, like, it's fucking amazing. It's like, it just, it, it, for us, it means, like, you know, we we need to keep going with all this, even ourselves as podcasts. Yep. It's like, it's like there's so much to do here and every time Gary and I connect on this topic we just we leave we leave a feeling energised you know so we know it's a very exciting time for this topic so well done to you guys and then yeah let's go
1: yeah well exactly I can't really say much else that Neil said so let's crack on with um, a lot of the brilliant
0: feedback so the first person Gary O'Neill who's Gary (laughs) put (laughs) us Who's this you've been having an affair with? Yeah, Gary, <laughs> he's having an affair with the finance officer. Who is that? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not going to, we don't have anyone in. This is all
1: anonymous. <laughs> uh, well, we're not going to use, we do have some names, but we're not actually going to use the names because we, a, we do want to. There's a lot of drop offs <laughs> there on the call, I think, Gary. I yeah. have to. But... <laughs> and, uh, a lot of the names we got through, we're not going to use because uh, I gave some feedback that some of the topics were so good, the questions were so good that we actually do want to put this out publicly. So, we're just going to use the questions and topics, give the feedback and talk about a lot of conversations. And then um, we're going to put on Spotify and Apple and all the rest of it. So you, you can go live because we think the information and the things that you're going through is what we all go through. And it's worth talking about uh, in, in deeper topics with other guests and live. So the first question or the first topic is fatherhood. And Neil is a father. Uh, I'm not a father quite yet so I think it's probably a good question for Neil to tackle and we do, we have had some really good guests in the past discussing this topic but Neil do you want to maybe
0: kick us off for this one? He's throwing me under the bus there. No, Gary doesn't know, he well he doesn't know if he's a father yet, there might be a few little mini Gary's going around. <laughs> no, uh, this is, yeah this is an interesting one and to be honest like the topic of fatherhood and kind of men's support has been skyrocketing a lot more in the last few years which is great right and um, because men are traditionally very you know i'll fix this i'll do this the whole bravado thing but when it comes to the softer side of things we're, we're actually pretty bad and um, we're also you know the whole dad body that all you know it, it's we kind of put ourselves seconds in some cases and don't look after each other and one of the episodes we actually had was about five australians um, who also got mental health men all around uh, different parts of Australia, and it came up quite often in that um, around dads and like you know that whole male bravado thing, which does seep into the fatherhood thing as well. And, what
1: was sorry, sorry, interrupt me. What was the document documentary called again?
0: Um, Happy Sad Man, it's
1: called Happy yeah. Sad Man. Yeah, I forgot yeah. to put that note down the resources, but we'll definitely note that down. That's a brilliant documentary.
0: Yeah. It's a brilliant documentary about like. Five very different types of men with very v- different types of scenario. One guy was a surfer. One guy was an outreach worker for farmers, and he used to go out to all these like farmers who were on their own and you know just working basically twenty four seven, and not caring after he- themselves, absolutely buggered, tired all the time, and they were just like really badly depressed and they had no network. Um, and what was the name? Was it the the tool shed or something they called it, which was like a community? Yeah, group? yeah. yeah. yeah or men's sheds, where they actually get together and discuss things, which is great. And yeah, I'm a father. My son is nearly two. And um, when Sonny was born, my wife was put into a mum's group, which was an absolutely amazing thing that I thought that the hospital set up. So similar mums around the same uh, time of birth were put into a group. um, And she's created some really long-lasting, amazing friends off the back of that, which has been great. And some people like, and this is mixing you with people that you wouldn't, you know like she's even said herself like i wouldn't normally hang around with this person but they've actually formed a really nice bond and relationship now if you think about fathers like th- reading there was none of that for us um which is you know understanding in the way mum is the most important thing you know with that relationship with your with your child a hundred percent but you know you can't forget about the dads and we had this great episode with um uh, matt halston who his whole job now is about this about supporting men in in these areas who are kind of struggling a little bit with lack of support and men traditionally aren't good at like kind of like as bringing down the barriers and saying, Hey, I'm not actually doing that. Well, if you ask a bloke, especially back in the UK and Ireland on the street, like, how you doing, mate? 99 times every hundred go, Yeah, I'm fine, man. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Cool. No one's going to turn around and go, Oh, I'm absolutely stressed out of my being. You know, the kids drive me crazy. I'm about to have a panic attack. Like you just, <laughs> Like you, you don't get that, right? You'd be like, "Oh, sorry, I asked." Fuck sake! Yeah, you'd be like, "Fuck it, I'm not going, not going near that bloke again." And look, that's that's where the um, the name of our podcast kind of came from. That because back home, you go, oh, he's mental," you know. You know, you say that there's always been like some bloke that live on the on the street. You go, "Oh, your man's mental," and um, and then that whole term itself has always had like a negative connotation, but you know, we're trying to make it like, it's not necessarily a negative thing. It's just something about you that's different, you know? But yeah, check out Matt's episode because it's really, really good. And also, there's another episode we did with Cecile Camade, who's French, and she actually does, her episode and her work, she has her own podcast as well, which is about masculinity. And some of the things that came up in that were amazing. Do you remember the thing, Gary, about, we were talking about toxic masculinity, which I know has come up a lot more lately. And then she was talking about masculine traits and feminine traits. I think I was, and she goes, I'm just gonna hand you there for a second. And, cause I said something like, you know, when you're in a boardroom and you need to like, you know, puff your chest and, you know, show your masculine energy. And she was like, well, why is that masculine energy? And I was like, uh, I, don't, I don't know. And she goes, well, why is that masculine? Like why, if you're strong in a boarding meeting, why isn't that called a feminine quality? And we, like, we, we didn't really have the answer for it. And the only thing like we could really come up with is they're just societal norms that have been created for millennia, let's say, you know, that like it is what it is kind of thing. But it really when you start thinking about it in that sense, like, you know, why is like, you know, driving fast seemed as a guy thing or whatever it is, like, you know, like it, it, when you start breaking down those gender kind of things, it, it opens it up that we all have those feelings. You know, we can be strong in some moments. We can be empathetic in another moment. And the ability to be, to be able, well, to be aware of that first and foremost, I'd say as a dad is really, really important. And it actually, before our podcast, I actually landed on this amazing book, which is called um, Future Notes to My Son. And I would definitely recommend you guys trying to get it because it's basically all these little affirmations. Um, Some of them are short, like one line. Some of them are a full paragraph. Some of them are a few pages and they're kind of like mini lessons, but it's not only for your son, it's almost for you as well. And it's little things like, you know, I'm going to teach my kid that it's okay to cry, you know, or to be upset and to share their emotions with me. You know, I don't want to um, put anything to the side. Um, And I just thought it was an amazing, an amazing book for me as a dad, but also for your future son or even daughter to teach them empathy, to teach them that it's okay to not be okay. because I don't know about you, but I certainly didn't get that growing up. You know, if something was going wrong in the household, it just wasn't spoken about. My mum and dad wouldn't speak for weeks on end. Sometimes if they had a massive fight, nobody addressed the situation. And then one day they would just meet each other in, in the kitchen and go. right they'd hug each other and then it'll be back to normal so that's kind of how i learned how to you know that parental relationship so yeah i think i think fatherhood is like you know as much about the masculinity for you as a dad to let that down to be a bit more open to be a bit more empathetic and you know help teach your kids through that but also it's about yourself um and because this next generation is going to be a little bit more Emotional, empathetic than the previous. Like we see it, even Gary, you probably see it in your football work, right? Like back in the old days, you could say anything to somebody, even as a kid. Like I remember as a thirteen-year-old manager saying, "Oh, fucking get back," you know, and they'd be shouting all things to you. Know? You can't really do that anymore. So it is kind of exciting. so You try. Was so now you try on the pitch? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like oh, you get back! You to, <laughs> get back! You're not on. <laughs> but I mean, I—that's I, how I learned, and like to, to me, it's not really an issue. Anyone can say anything to me, like you know, and I—I I know it's not personal. You just kind of go. They're just trying to help you, but it's definitely changing this next generation. So that whole like the hard knocks kind of road doesn't seem to be working anymore, um, and it is exciting. Like I think the future of Fatherhood particularly is very exciting. I think this next wave of dads are going to be the most hands on dads this any generation has ever had. I think, um, COVID certainly lent into that. You know, our, our, our son was a COVID baby essentially. And then, um, you know, we're probably facing other issues now around like him being very attached to us. You know, whenever I go away now, um, my wife was telling me like he'll wake up in the middle of the night and go daddy, daddy, daddy and she has to pull up my Instagram account, um, which is at Neil O'Sullivan if you want to follow me. That
1: must be hard to look at, that must be hard to
0: look at. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but she has to pull up my photo and then he sees me and goes, Daddy, and then he goes back to sleep, like, you know, which is also frightening, like, you know, uh, he can swipe, he can do all these things on social media. So we're probably going to face slightly different issues than previous generations, but yeah, it, the Matt Holson one is a good one because it's about removing your ego, removing your masculinity um, and letting your guard down a little bit, which can not only help your your son or your daughter, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to help you too. Oh, just, just as a,
1: t- a touch point there, all the resources, Neil's mentioned a few and we will mention a few throughout. We've put it all in a little bit of a table and we'll send it through. So, you don't have to keep remembering everything I mentioned because you've all got interest in different topics. So, we're just going to put a bit of a resource section so you do just click on a link or yeah. use anything that you think is
0: useful for you so it's easier. There's a few people there going, oh, thank God. My, my hand flipped <laughs> already. The other thing as well we had in our notes was there is no right way, you know, and when you become a father or a mother, you're going to get so much free advice, which, you know, people think they're great. Give you throwaway advice. And even it's very easy to compare yourself to other parents. There was one of the questions later on comparison. Um, but you're different. Your scenario is different. The relationship between you and your wife or your husband um, or two husbands or two wives is going to be different. There's different dynamics. There is no Like you, I, I think educate yourself as much as you possibly can. Yes. But then it's up to you what pathway you choose and it's exactly how we tackle mental health There's so much stuff out there it's great to be across as much of it as you possibly can but gary and i are very careful to go this is what you should do because me telling gary what to do about something versus you know somebody else um can it, it can have damaging effects you know in that sense like so it's really only you and your partner and your family know what the best way is for you to do it you know
1: yeah and no, I, th- I think uh i mean I can speak from myself growing up and even compare myself to my friends or people I know. We all had, some people grew up you with lots of money, some people didn't have a lot of money, some people had a troublesome childhood, some people didn't, some people had an isolated childhood, some people had a very sociable one, different parts of the world, some people travelled. There's a million different things and as a parent, you're always thinking, probably thinking they need to have lots of money, they need to have the best school, they need to have the best this, the best that, the best that. Uh, every single person who all had these different scenarios growing up, now you look at them, there's no pa- clear pattern in the my mates anyway, in terms of how they've turned out from their mm. childhood. The most important thing from what the fact there is a clear partner is their parents were there for growing them up, growing up, and that was pretty much it. They supported them, and they were there. They taught them some decent principles of life. Be a yeah. good person. Like, I mean, look, like family, family values and things like that. And then from there, ultimately, it's going to come down to what the child's going to make their own decisions. And I think that's eventually, yeah. I say child, when they get to old enough to start to have um, emotional, logical values or interests or whatever it might be, they're going to start to make their own decisions. You're going to have different peer groups. So I think... Well, Hello? Hello? Yeah, sorry, I don't know what happened there. Uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, So I think that the, the, the concern would be you don't get to see the fruits of your labour until 15, 20 years down the line. It's not like you have a good day and tomorrow, you're like, oh, I'm doing a good job here. Yeah. You don't actually know. Uh, yeah. And then even when it does come to 20 years down the line, what what's the... Like right now, how much influence did my parents have on where I am right now, my thoughts, my feelings, how I behave versus somebody else. It's so hard to say how much how much of a percentage is mm. down to the whole nurture versus nature sort of thing is always going to be mm. a debate. All you can do is like you suggested is do what you think's right for you, how you believe mm. is the right way of doing things. Because it yeah. is your child at the end of the day and when they get old enough, they take those values and number them. But I think I think from a fatherhood standpoint, I think that's just probably the best from your standpoint. Yeah. We well can I do think- I think back yourself you ever mm. said that back yourself mate yeah i'm sure you're doing a great job uh, uh, and you
0: can well, only well, do what you can do yeah i was gonna say i'm not of the age yet where you can start going you know you am not, not an elder but i'm getting on i'm getting on age-wise but i'll tell you now like the secret around money and all that which is what we never had any money when i was growing up we we were living in a middle class life but we were really working class so we were always struggling to pay for things the house was nearly going all that and i think it ingrained in me this thing of like i have to be successful or i never want to be in that scenario again where i'm struggling for money which is not necessarily a good way to be like so all my beliefs were were created on this false sense of like what's going to give me happiness um and then you, i end up never being content for many years and then when you it only like only because i sought help went through a lot of this stuff and still not there when you start looking back going like like that, it was just insecurities and instability. And I got, my parents gave me a lot of, uh, my mom gave me love. My dad gave me a lot of structure of time and loyalty and values, but probably I didn't get that arm around the shoulder when you need to go, everything's going to be okay, son, you know, or this is that emotional support. But the thing is, like, you end up kind of, resenting that sometimes with parents and you go oh, i didn't get this and then you start doing the the blame game but you, like they did their best i'm in a great position now where the years on where i'm like we're going to be the same we're going to f- we're going to do things or not do things with our kids like w- nobody's perfect and all you can do is your best and they you will recognize that in yourself and also like my dad's family were working class and they were the happiest family ever they had nothing like you know really like there's nine kids was madhouse and I had
1: nothing, but they had everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: I used to go over there and like even my dad today, like he's just happy with a few points on the weekend and he works and he has his cup of tea and all that. And he's the happiest man ever versus like yeah. my mum's side were kind of the old money. And there was a load of family drama and all this crap about, you know, when the house was being sold and everyone trying to get there, you know, and it was like, all that stuff doesn't give you joy. You know what I mean? Um, and it's one of the things we have later on. Um, I've been getting mad into Marcus Aurelius now. And one of the things he talks about was like spending quality time with family. Cause one of the statistics that I've seen recently is the average family at the moment only spends 30 minutes a day together as a family, which is, that's that's scary to think of out of 24 hours, you're only spending 30 minutes together, you know? Um, because if you don't spend that quality time, as you were saying, Gary, in 20 years time, your kids will, will that will come out in the wash. You know what I mean? Um, and obviously people fly away and I know that on the call, there's a lot of people who do a lot of stuff on the road, um, you know, which we know, um, which is fine. But then if that's the case, then you need to be just more aware that like, okay, I've got to put in that quality time. When I get home, I've got to be present for my son or my daughter or whoever it is. You've got to just give that time. And if you do do that, they'll see that and you'll, you know, you'll reap the rewards from that.
1: Well, hey, so th- there is a lot of different topics, and are superb. So we'll, we'll try and crack on with uh, what we might have to do here, sorry. I was just think we should do this. We might have to break this into like a couple of different episodes. We'll just talk. Obviously, we'll go through it all today. Yeah, we could just probably snap into two or three, so it's easy to digest. But the next topic is uh, and again another belter. There's a few, a few, in, within this one question, but struggling with body image, feelings of worthlessness, self-loathing. Um that is starting to seep into intimacy with a new partner, starting to see their own flaws, they want to feel comfortable and confident in their own skin again. Ultimately, how do they improve self-love? So there's a there's a lot to this, and I'm and anyone who thinks who anyone who can't relate to this at some point in their life is probably kidding themselves on, especially in 2023 when we're bombarded, especially on social media, with what is deemed or uh, Said to be the perfect way to look, or the perfect way you should look, and all the rest of it. I know I battle with this. We've all got something in a life we would we think should be better or should look different. And there's a, there's a lot to talk about here. And we actually did just have a great episode that just went live yesterday. Actually, with Ian Eurek, who speaks about self love and self worth. His outlook on life is he's probably above the norm in terms of positivity, but he does discuss it, so it's probably worth. Listening to that episode just to to see his uh, how he deals with that, but there's a few different things you can do there um, in terms of body image, etc. i, I want to give you my little tidbit on it. Nothing too long, but I think the biggest place to start would be reducing social media time. And maybe you're not on social media a lot, but the reason I say that is because naturally, just by by default, you've been on social media, you start to compare yourself. I do it. I know for a fact. You do it, Sully. You've mentioned it in other episodes. It just it's just what happens. People maybe in your industry, friends, people you used to hang around with, you see how they're doing and you want to compare yourself. Maybe it's not necessarily body, but it could be a new car, a new house, a new job, something a holiday they go on, then you start comparing it to your life. And like Sully's already touched on, it's a different it's not your scenario, it's a different scenario. So putting yourself in their context doesn't make sense. And you probably don't even know their full context because they're only giving you the highlight reel. On Instagram so I think the first place would be being honest with yourself how many how much are you on social media second thing I would say regarding the body image stuff is how much of it is logical uh, thoughts you're thinking and how much of it is emotional and I say that because what you're thinking realistically ask yourself is it true so if there's a flaw I I say flaw hypothetically that you think you've seen yourself is that something that you've created? From a comment someone's made, from a comparison, you've looked at somebody else and you think that's how I should look. To me, that's emotional and that's you thinking how, how really that's not, it's not the reality. That's not the, not the logical way of thinking about things. You need to think, if you ask a thousand people, would they even notice that flaw? Would they even make a comment about it? Some people, a lot of people probably think what you think is a flaw is a unique, part of you, what makes you you, maybe it's even a beautiful part of you. I know there's people in my circle who will say, I hate such and such about me and I'll say, no, I love that." that. People are going to have different opinions and I do get it, it's not just easy to turn that off, but I think social media certainly amplifies that and there's a, going back to I'm not Aurelius, but I think it's Seneca, the old stoicism of we suffer more in imagination than we do in reality, that goes on to anxiety, goes to stress, goes to all these things. I think just being honest with yourself, writing down things that you believe. Is this true? Yes or no? Is it genuinely true? Has someone told you this? Or have you just thinking people are thinking this? That could be one way to just remove yourself from the actual process. Uh, there's a few little, little tidbits I'd give in terms of, um, ways to practically make a difference. Gratitude's yeah. a big one. And this is going to be a common theme throughout this because gratitude is very, very, it can be seen as woo-woo, right? And I'm going to, like, it's, it's all right just saying, oh, you need to get up and do your gratitude journal and all that sort of thing. That's not what I'm suggesting. If you want to do that, it's by all means a good way of doing things, write it down. But it can just be as simple as verbalising to yourself in your own home what you're grateful for is simple. Mm-hmm. And one thing I do out loud, and my, my wife always laughs at me, because I'll just, if I'm driving, I often drive over the Harbour Bridge to get to my work. And I always say to myself, I'm not going to take this for granted. And I'll start to say outside, unbelievable, over the harbour bridge, blue skies, what a life. I'll say it out loud and I'll constantly say this sort of thing just to remind myself how lucky I am to be in the position I am or where I'm living. It's such a small thing, but internally, I might be, I might not be thinking that, but mm-hmm. the more I say things out loud, I start to believe it. Thoughts become feelings, become actions. And that's, that is like, that's, it can sound woo woo, especially in 2023 and social media when everyone's trying to tell you how to live and what to think and all the rest of it. But this, a lot of this is based on neuroscience, based on psychology. And yeah. it is, we can rewire the way we think. Well, I'll, I'll, doing I'll put it,
0: let me put it into context with you. And I'm the same as you, Gary. I would be like, gratitude, fuck off, slow of bollocks. Like I would be the real, and like anti going, oh, I don't believe in that. Well, someone debunked it for me in a session I was doing. And I spend a lot of time in the negative, right? So you do a presentation or something, you go, "Fuck, I messed up that line," and that goes through my head. Now, ninety nine percent of the thing you just did was could have been amazing, but I'd always default to the negative, which is like, um, you know, not the best trait. But if you're if you're if you're constantly saying that in your head, this is where gratitude actually works in the sense of if you spend a lot of time and not going, "That wasn't good enough," imposter syndrome, or "Oh, I'm not great," at that da 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 da. What that's so that's your conscious mind. Imagine what that's doing to your subconsciously. That's just feeding your constant loop. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good. Enough. If you start doing gratitude, as Gary was saying, writing down things um, as little as, what are five things I did today? You know, oh, today I went and saw my mum. I did the washing, uh, got my car license sorted, opened up a new bank, whatever it is. All these things you are like, fuck, I actually achieved quite a lot today. There might have been one thing you didn't get to but i guarantee if you do that very simple exercise the pros way outweigh the cons now if you've put that down on paper that's you your conscious your subconscious brain eating that up if you look in the mirror and go oh like my hair today oh you know i've got a bit of a tan whatever it is you're again putting that into your thing or if you verbalize it you know like i was thinking of the friends thing you know i am strong confident woman when Joe Joey's trying to give up the cigarettes. But it's true, it's like, if you're verbalizing that, your subconscious has no way to decipher what's reality or what's not. It just takes what you say and what you give it. So that alone just makes made, that was the light bulb moment for me going, well, if I just verbalize it, my subconscious mind doesn't know if that's real or not. So that's just going to take all that on. And if you constantly do that, you're going to slowly turn the tables on it. And then all of a sudden, you're going to start thinking more positively. And on the note about Ian, um, he was saying that when he went to bed at night, uh, he went to, what was it? He went to bed laughing. That was his thing. And when he woke up every morning, he smiled. They were two very basic things. And I I watched his amazing Ted talk on this as well Is that when you go to bed, the last five minutes before you go to bed are the most important minutes of your day because you're about to go into your, your sleep mode. So whatever you have going into that in that immediate moment is what you're going to carry into your sleep. So Gary mentioned about flicking through social media and I'm terrible at this, right? Last thing I do, you go on the phone, you flick through, you might see a few things, then you see some bloke that you used to, I don't know, hate in school and he's just got a new Maserati and you go, fuck, he's got a Maserati, what am I doing? My business, I'm shit, I'm not doing And then you go, and then you get this like mini little, like, you know, and then that's what you're taking into bed. So at least 30 minutes before bed, get off social media so you don't get any of those triggers. And then what the guy said in the TEDx talk is like just before you go to bed, try and think of something great in your life. Could be your partner, could be you scored a goal on the weekend. Just take that one thought, linger on it for 30 seconds and then try and go to sleep. And you're bringing that positive thought into your whole sleep mode because you've got eight hours with your own mind and that. And, and that was actually a really interesting thing. So, um, try that. Maybe laugh, go to sleep. Tell, tell your partner before you're going to do that. I'm going to try this new thing. And like, yeah, you'd be surprised if it, like, the
1: fuck are you laughing at?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. Um, but yeah, like it's, and as Gary said, there's loads where you can do that. You can stand in the mirror and look at yourself and do a bit of a body scan. Um, you can journal, but like, you know, all these, not, not everything is for everyone, but. Even list, listing out your achievements is a good one. And then I did this other amazing thing with my coach that I was working with. And if your self worth is a bit low at the moment, you think, fuck this, I can't do it anymore, blah, blah, blah. There's this brilliant exercise, right? So from the moment you're born, just get a piece of paper, it doesn't have to be exact. And just think. From the moment
1: about- you're born, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: straight, straight out of the world. Oh. <laughs> Now, if you, if you come, whenever you come of age, um, now think about when you were born and all the people that you've come in contact, and your life has influenced from then till now, and that's everything from why. Right, Okay, well, I play football my whole life. You know, an average, there's 15 people on the team. I've been playing that for 20 years. Do quick math. There's 350 people. All right, I went to primary school, yada, yada, secondary school, yada, yada. I volunteered. I worked in all these jobs. They had X amount of staff. And, um, you know, for me, I, I was involved in this charity event for four years. We had a social media page with, you know, 10,000 followers. You know, you can you can do all that and go through that exercise. Just everything you've done in your life. A very rough estimate, and I came to something like three point five million people that my life would have touched, um, probably. Bastards, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> touched indirectly or directly at some point, which is amazing. And then you think, "Oh, uh, my life's not enough," and you go, "Well, if it wasn't for me in this life, I wouldn't like, the, I wouldn't have influenced those three and a half million people." So whenever you think I'm too small or I'm not enough, do that exercise. It was mind blowing for me, you know.
1: Now that I, th- I think, ultimately, what it comes down to again, I, th- I always think of, I always try and suggest to think of principles in general. And I think the principle here is think of what's within your control. And everything we've mentioned, tools, things you want to do. As Neil said, not everything's for everyone, but a lot of it is within your control. So there is things that you can do and make change with. For instance, if if again, I don't know your your context. Maybe you don't even use social media, but as simple as like for me, I put my social my mobile phone downstairs charging overnight and I, and I bought an alarm clock and I have an alarm clock to wake me up. Mm-hmm. So for an hour before bed, I don't have a mobile phone because it did just impact my, my the way I thought first thing in the morning I'd check it, a bit of bad news, it would trigger me, or I'd compare myself and blah, 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 and it spiraled. But within my control, I I had the choice to move my mobile phone out of there. I had the choice to go to bed earlier. I had the choice to, to write something down, celebrate your achievements. I mentioned this in a previous podcast what i done It really, really, every time I felt low and a confidence with else, I took a note of every single time I achieved something. Didn't have to be massive, but simple as, I got my citizenship for, the, for Australia. I got a new job. Uh, I went on holiday. I'd just mark it down. And any time, especially later in the year, when I felt, oh, I'm not good enough, I've not done well enough, I'd go back to this list and I'd see all the things I accomplished this year. Then I could go back to other years as well. And it sounds like such a simple thing. You can do this in your notes on your phone. But when you look at it all, it gives you perspective of mm. fucking hell. I'm doing all right here, and I know your question was mentioning body image as well. This and- this is like a, a step on the ladder to building self confidence and practicing self love and realizing that you you've got plenty to offer. And you've mentioned you've got a partner, and you're lacking. Uh, you're worried about intimacy, but you wouldn't have a partner if if so someone wasn't interested in how you looked or how you went as a person. So there's clearly positives there. You're focusing on the, the, the aspects of the 0.05% of what you don't like, whether the person you're with is probably focusing on the 99.9% or 99.5% of the things they love about you. So, again, it's just perspective. What we've provided, again, what we've discussed is just from the experts or the people we've spoke to in previous episodes, from our own experience, We don't have the full context, but hopefully there's some tools or some practical tips there. I would say just get on the ladder of practicing self-love first,
0: and it will start to build over and over and over time and be I was just going to add, uh, there was another brilliant snippet that we had from an episode of it. He was the CEO of a mental health charity, and he said, micro moves make macro changes. So I know it seems like a lot. Oh, yeah, well, I'm not happy about this body part. Like It's going to take me so much to get it or whatever it is it may be but just start with one thing it's that like five second rule as well if you just make a decision five seconds and move on but Nick who's the CEO said you know if you get out of bed when you wake up you have the choice to hit your alarm your snooze or get out of bed if you do that that's a little positive tick in your life you go should I have a shower now yeah there's another one then all of a sudden you're and it's the same with whatever it is exercise or body image all those things one little thing will lead to another thing to another thing and snowball so just Don't think about the end goal. Just think about getting to that next session or doing that other thing that you're going to do. And then the only other thing I'm going to say as well, which Gary, like you might go, uh, I'm going to sound hypocritical here. If there's something about you that you need to get fixed or something like that, like we're not going to sit here and go, don't do whatever. Like if that's what you need to do to help your self-esteem or whatever that may be, you know, I've had people in my life who had their ears pinned because they used to get bullied or things like that. If you need to go and do that, fucking go and do it. And don't feel guilty about it either. You know, my we have a nanny here and um, she's 19. Says your man who came from working class. Oh, I've got a nanny now. You probably think, <laughs> what a fucking wanker. But uh, that's Australia, guys. But um, I have a nanny and she's absolutely gorgeous, right? She's a beautiful little kid and she's brilliant. And she, got, um, she did some work on her lips the other day and like like she's absolutely stunning but for her she wanted to get it done now as much as you kind of be a second parent her because like you know she spends a lot of time with my kid and you try and give her as much information and education as you can but at the end of the day that's her decision you know if she wants to do it I'm not in any place to go you know what you did is wrong and the worst you can do then is pass judgment onto whoever that person for whatever decision they've made you can give them as much information as you want to front and try and give them the best chance but at the end of the day that person makes a decision so you know i just want to end on that note that as well as we're saying you know do all those great things that can help you fair enough but if you do want to do something that you feel like i just need to get i done, don't feel shame about that because i'm in the wellness game and i see a lot of the shame about that people go and seek help and then they also then put shame associated with it so you don't just because you go and get your nose fixed your ears fixed or do whatever it is you need lipo whatever it is you may be like if you need to go and do it go and do it and be proud of it and don't hold shame against it
1: no good good ending there mate um okay so uh just that same person did mention grief uh but probably not got enough time to touch on that and the rest of the conversation, but we, do, we are going to put a resource in there for you regarding a previous episode we had, as well as a book that we recommend from uh, the two experts we had on. It's
0: uh, really useful, yeah, support, but that'll be in the resource The only quick you. thing about grief is the episode that we had with the girls, which we'll share. That uh, was the one, yeah. That's the one I'm going to share, yeah. Yeah, like, basically, in a nutshell, that episode was like, you know, the, you've probably heard this. I actually heard it last week, and I actually handbraked someone on it because I was like, oh, that's actually not true but the, the girls were saying in all their research, they both lost their mom at a relatively young age and they were put into a support group following the funerals to help each other out. And then they connected and they set up a podcast off it. So again, from a negative, you know, or, or let's say, um, a sad, uh, experience, it actually formed a beautiful relationship between these two. And now they were speaking at, uh, Vivid Sydney, which is a huge thing thing about grief. So like, you know, it's, it, they've, um, made such a beautiful positive out of it, but, their whole thing was the five stages of grief is just urban myth it was a formula that was created what was it guy in the 70s by some doctor in a very isolated scenario which was then rolled out as a ubiquitous thing that oh everyone goes through five stages of grief in this linear fashion you know you're angry first then you have you know remorse then you're sad then you're happy all of that they said is complete bullshit they showed a graphic of what grief was and rather than it being a a linear thing it was like this it was up down left right all over the shop Um, and they said grief grief is an an emotion that you need to experience and hiding grief which is something I do I can't I've struggled to grieve is actually bad for you because if someone dies you need to give it the time that it deserves and that could be six months twelve months it could be it's your whole life. Like they were saying, you, you, you actually live with that grief forever. That's not a bad thing. It's a nice thing because you're remembering that beautiful person that you had in your life. So you shouldn't let go of that. It's not about getting over grief. Um, and it can pop up in different scenarios and things like that. And then the other thing that resonated with that episode was around whatever it is you need to do to get yourself through the grief. And they even mentioned alcohol, right, which we're, you know, we're not necessarily going to condone. You know, and I know in Ireland, any funerals are the biggest piss ups you could you, you could do, and it's usually great fun. But alcohol and things like that might serve a purpose in that moment, whatever it is, to get you through that next phase. So that was a fascinating thing that they kind of turned the whole grief thing upside down. So listen to that episode because I think on uh, most of the episodes that we've done, Gary, going into that and what I came out the other end, I was mind blown about how wrong I was about the whole grief situation. You know.
1: Yeah, very good, very good uh, podcast. And if you don't have, if you you don't like listening to podcasts, they've also got a book as well. Um, so yeah, highly recommend that. I'll be in the resources for you. Uh, so just take a quick breath there, from, We've touched on fatherhood. Hopefully, we've gave some good resources which you'll get in the resource section. Discussed how to stop comparing yourself to others or how you can, uh, and then we've spoke about self love, uh, building some self confidence. And again, some little practical tips there in terms of practising gratitude or celebrating wins. The episode does cut off a little bit here, but it's for good reason. We have extended this episode into a part two, part three and a part four because there was so much good stuff to go through. So apologies for cutting off mid-sentence, but
0: we move straight on to the next question in the following podcast.